Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Flush. I'm your host, Hiva, and I'm joined by Mary Nairi for the second time. Welcome back, Mary. Thanks for having me back. I'm so excited. I know. I'm so excited to have you. I know we've talked about this before, but I had a really close friend in high school whose first name is Nairi. Okay, I don't remember you telling me that, so really? my, so blow my mind all over again. It's it's spelled the same way. No. It's, that's her name. That's her first name. Is she name. Hungarian? Um, she's Armenian. Okay. So it could be a thing. That's so interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, I remember when I first saw that, when we first became friends, I was like, wait, what? (laughs) I feel like this is permission to name my firstborn Neri. And then you should, oh, is that how it's pronounced? Neri. Neri. Okay. Mm -hmm. She pronounced it Nairi. So. Okay. Yeah. That's usually what I let people pronounce it as. Oh, 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 okay. So other people say that. Okay. Hmm, I wonder if she kind of Americanized her name then. It's possible, probably. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, whatever. <laughs> anyway, how are you? <laughs> I'm good. I just got my matcha full. I've totally hydrated. I moved today. I'm set for success. What kind of movement do you do? I did the class today. Mm-hmm. Usually when I'm traveling, I try to either stick to like the class or Melissa Wood Health or a combination of both. Mm-hmm. I do those at home, but like to have one as my anchor when I'm traveling is nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, makes sense. Mm-hmm. For anyone who doesn't know, the class is a workout class that's, I don't know, it's kind of very mind, body, spirit. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it's very mind, body, spirit based, like you said. And I think the cool thing about it is that they use these techniques throughout the actual class, like sound exercises and different sort of um, like fascia release and just sort of mm-hmm. things that help you in your day-to-day life. So now like I I went to a Pilates class the other day and I was like fucking grunting and like sighing and like shaking. Mm. It's just like part of my process now. I'll be on the train. And I'll be like, <sighs> you know, it just really moves its way into your life, which is kind of nice. Yeah, for sure. They so pre-quarantine it was an in-person class mm-hmm. it was one of those like soul cycle type branded classes where it's like fucking yeah. like 40 dollars or something mm-hmm. a class I remember I came across it when I first had moved to New York and I had just broken up with a comedian and I was just like distraught devastated <laughs> like in the worst place like going through all these like inner healing things mm-hmm. and 
I had seen the class's Instagram account and I was like, oh, I love the aesthetics. And then I realized it was like a workout class and I assumed it was going to be kind of like a yoga level of exertion just (laughs) based on the vibe, right? Like based on like the aesthetics, Mm -hmm. the way the branding. And I remember I signed up for a class and I was like, oh, I should like get a little high because like at the time I used to smoke a lot of pot and also... I like never really liked yoga, but if I was high, like I would kind of like dive deeper into it or anything meditation-y, like I would find that I could get deeper into it. So I like got all high and then I'm like there and we're like fucking jumping around and shit. I was like, oh my God, this was a huge mistake. (laughs) Yeah, don't get it twisted. Like this is not a yoga class. (laughs) No, it's it's definitely (laughs) release-based like with sound and such, but it's almost like, it's almost set up like a hit style workout where it's like, like cardio bursts and strength in between which I think it's nice because you get a little bit of everything yeah Um, and I feel like honestly I deserve a referral fee at this point yeah (laughs) same with Caitlin yeah Caitlin Caitlin. loves it too I forgot and she like would always post about it on Instagram so but yeah if you are interested um, they stream now and I think it's like $40 a a month unlimited yeah I love it I just Honestly, like class aside, I just really am such a proponent of people finding a workout that they can do at home because Mm -hmm. I think that it's such a like self-sabotage technique to say, yeah, I'm going to join the gym and it'll make me go and I'll be paying, you know, Mm -hmm. you have something that like if it's raining and it's snowing outside, you can still do it. You're traveling and you can still do it. I feel like it helps to have an anchor. Yeah. I really don't. But I walk. That's yeah. My you thing. walk everywhere. Yeah, that's yeah. that's just what brings me pleasure. Like every time I've exactly. tried with a form of exercise, I've never stuck with it. Yeah. Well, that's a big piece of it is embodied movement, like not moving to like drop weight or mm-hmm. to you know get rid of some calories, calorie mm-hmm. input output, you know. But really doing something that you enjoy. Like the thing that I like about the class is that it puts you in your body, mm-hmm. and like that should be the goal. It yes, it really shouldn't be about like the sweat or the action. Yeah, at the end of the day. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, beautiful. Mm. Anyway, so you're in New York City now, mm-hmm. which is fun. Mm-hmm. Um, will we be seeing more of you this summer? I'm hoping so. I've been really kind of living the nomad life recently, yeah. which is interesting. Um, in 2021, I kind of got locked into a lease during COVID, like so many of us did. Mm-hmm. So I was sort of a prisoner to New York, but in a good way. And and then in 2021, I decided I was going to move back upstate to the Rochester Buffalo area and save money as I built my health coaching practice, which best decision I ever made, but also mm-hmm. hardest decision I've ever made. Mm-hmm. Like truly felt like, not that I've ever done this for reference, but felt like having like the love of your life in the palm of your hand and then like setting them free. <laughs> like it just felt like this moment where I was like, wait, but I'm leaving my soul behind. Mm-hmm. Um, but 2022 finally shed some light on that. And I'm definitely seeing how I needed to have like a serious pause from New York. Mm-hmm. And now I'm reanalyzing. I come here once in a while and feel it out and I'm reanalyzing and I'm like, is it New York? Mm-hmm. You know? So I'm very much in a question mark phase of my life, which feels refreshing and terrifying simultaneously. Mhm. Mhm. It's a lot. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. What are some things that you've learned? Mm. 
Yeah, I've learned so much, especially um, I would say in the past two, three months maybe, I've been doing more like house sitting for people in different places, which has been really helpful to just get sort of a vibe check of different places I've been. And one thing that I've, you know, we kind of opened with the movement piece. One thing I've really realized is I don't need to be as rigid with my routine. I can bring it with me in a way that feels really accessible, kind of like my version of a little capsule wardrobe, capsule rituals, you know? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And it's just really helped me realize like what's important to bring with me physically and mentally and what's not. Mm -hmm. So, you know, now I kind of, I feel like I'm just living a much simpler life, which sounds crazy because I've always just wanted things. Mm -hmm. So it's really like, it's, it's had like a very profound effect, like both in my day-to-day life and also like in a meta sense as well. Mm-hmm. Simplification. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I agree with that having just been away for two months. Like it really was like, okay, what is truly non-negotiable and what doesn't matter that much? Yeah. Well, it makes sense. I mean, every time we checked in, you were always on a walk and I was like, that makes sense for you. You... That's what you do. Yeah. That's how you process. (laughs) That's how you get your energy out. And I feel like that's probably also when you sort of like assess any little things that came up in your day. So I think just having those little anchors is is so key. And Mm -hmm. I couldn't have ever learned that if I was just living in New York doing doing the day-to-day stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. By the way, um, just random – you've been to Richmond a few times now, right? Yeah, I love Richmond. I went to school like – 30, 40 minutes away oh, from right. Richmond. I you were in D.C., right? No, no, no. no. D.C. is kind of far from Richmond. Oh, okay. um, you lived in D.C. at one point. Yeah, I lived in okay. D.C. for many years, but I went to college, um, like to undergrad, like 30, 40 minutes away from Richmond, I like in the South. That. Mm-hmm. Did you like it as well? Did it, I think it has a good vibe about it. Richmond is really fun. Um, where I went to school is not fun. It's Colonial Williamsburg. <laughs> it's not fun. Do oh, not yeah, recommend. I've totally been there. <laughs> Pre-vegan. I've totally been there. Yeah. Not the best vibes, but no, Richmond's super cool. Like, I remember we would go for music sometimes because, like, they'd get, like, really good music. It's, like, a cute town. Mm -hmm. Good food. Good vibes. Yeah. Yeah. I'm realizing that it's it's nice to find a city that has a good college in it because typically it means that there's going to be a lot of, like, really cool restaurants and Mm -hmm. artsy places and... I feel like I have a young spirit. So like yeah. what a college kids like, I probably will too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it makes sense. Because when I was in Ithaca, that's the most recent place I was before coming here to Brooklyn. Um, Ithaca, I was there for two weeks. And I wasn't sure what to expect. It's where Cornell is upstate. Right. And it is so beautiful. And like, I guess I'm just, you know, as we get, I'm just so numb to like what a city should be because I'm used to New York like squalor. Mm-hmm. <laughs> which I also love. I like the darkness of New York, but it was so interesting to be in a place that is like, it's total foil. It's kind Mm -hmm. of where people go once they get sick of New York city and like want to have that same like liberal artsy vibe, Mm -hmm. but with nature, Mm -hmm. I just never thought that I would like be that. Mm -hmm. So it kind of blew open my concept of who I am and where I want to be in a cool way. Have you ever left the country? Oh yeah. 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 Yeah, I definitely vibe way more with a Europe kind of situation. I don't feel like America is really my thing, but I also don't feel like I would want to like 
just ditch my whole life and head over there and be totally alone. <laughs> yeah, no, it's hard. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, my ideal life, I've been saying it for a long time, six months here, six months. Like now I can say Australia Yeah. before I was just like somewhere in the Southern Hemisphere. But, you know, now that I've been... Yeah. And also, you know, I have an Australian boyfriend and he has family and friends there. Right. (laughs) Um, No, I love that vibe. I love I love the idea of at one point I was thinking like a New York City, Miami situation, mm -hmm. which could still be a thing. But I love when people have like multiple sort of like places they call home because. Yeah. Who like this concept of home has just like busted open recently for me. And I'm like, what does that even fucking mean? Like, what is home where you have your shit like? where you what what you care the places you love like where you have people the concept of home is kind of what you make it why does there have to just be one Mm, I love that yeah so that's sort of like the newest bit of information that's dripped down for me Mm -hmm. it's kind of like really blew open my idea of what I thought I wanted Mm -hmm. do you think of your mom's house as home not even a little bit. Me neither. Like, and you grew up in that house, right? Well, or no? my brother owns the house that we grew up in. Mm-hmm. And so I still have that tether, you know? And when I go there, like, no, like that's their home, you know? Maybe it would be different if my mom was still living there. I don't mm-hmm. think so. Because they would have, they're not going to like keep my bedroom, my bedroom. Right, you know? right. So they've made tons of changes to the house. It's got a totally different energy. I don't even really like think of it like my house at all. Mm. Yeah. See, my parents live in the house that I lived in from 13 till 18 and then, you know, summers largely after that. Um, And I still don't. Your room's the same still? Mm, Well, when I was like a freshman or sophomore in high school, my parents switched bedrooms with me and gave me the master bedroom. (laughs) This explains so much. (laughs) No, it was their idea because I would have friends over all the time. So so they were like, you should, they were like, we don't like, all we do is sleep in there. Like you should take the bigger room because you like invite like five friends over at a time who were like constantly around. So So, yeah, I had the master bedroom. And then when I went to college or whatever, they switched it oh, okay. and then set up my room as a guest room. But now they sleep downstairs because like they're old and they don't want to go up the stairs. So yeah. they just like camp out in the living room. It's really cute. Oh. <laughs> I guess like more normal in Persian cultures to just sleep on the floor also. Really? Like maybe for their generation especially. Hmm. But I remember when we would be in Iran when I was a kid, like there'd be times like we'd all just sleep in the living room like on blankets so So, yeah so they just like Mm -hmm. sleep downstairs and so when I you know the few times I have gone to visit them I do end up sleeping in the master bedroom yeah but it's still Still it just doesn't like it, it you know what it is it doesn't have the things that I consider to be home and one of those is like a feeling of safety, which yeah. I don't have in that house. That's so true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I never thought of it in that sense. Like, you know, we just said what's home, but like, really, what is home to you? I never thought of like really breaking it down into its qualities. Yeah. It's true. Safety is so key. I think that's why I'm such a homebody also, because I feel safe at home. Same. 
But it's also confusing, you know, this idea of being nomadic. I was so, you know, you hear it all the time, especially in a, in a spiritual wellness niche. Like you hear all the time about the people that like had to go sleep on the couch in order to like figure out their shit. Mm-hmm. And then they were nomad. And I heard that and I was like, yeah, no, thanks. Like mm-hmm. I'm all set on that. I'll have like a cushy life until I have a cushier life. Like mm-hmm. I don't want that. But now that I'm been forced into it, like kind of rock bottomed into it, I'm really seeing how there's a sense of freedom there and mm-hmm. it ha- it forces you to create an intrinsic sense of safety within. Because mm-hmm. I've always used my home space as a very controlled environment, which I think has its place. Mm-hmm. But to find that deeper sense of safety within has been a like very worthwhile challenge, I feel. Mm-hmm. To find the anchors that make me feel safe and to really like having to create that self-regulation toolkit Mm-hmm. knowing that you can bring that wherever, whenever, however. Feels so good. I love that. What's in the toolkit? For me, movement is so key. For everyone, I think it's totally different. You mm-hmm. know, I think the reason movement is so important to me is I'm a very heady person. And when my energy is in my body, I'm like a dog. Like I just want to rip up like some shit and like throw my claws in a couch or something. Like I just want to jump out of my skin. Mm-hmm. So movement is so key to move energy through my body. Something to quiet my mind, whether it's meditation or yoga or something like that. And really like I think something that I'm coming back into is a creative practice, whether it's morning pages or like a sketch mm-hmm. or you know a spoken poem. Like I do a lot of that recently. So just I think having those anchors. I'm sorry, what is that? Yeah, I know. It's so weird. I just started doing it. Like, it's almost like a little, uh, it's almost like morning pages, but spoken into my phone. But there's just something that happens when I speak in this context, you know, in a creative context like this, where it turns into like a poem. I don't mean it to. It just kind of happens. Yeah. So I don't know if that's like a new iteration of self that's coming out or I don't know. Interesting. Yeah. But I think it helps you know, when, when traveling specifically to have like a creative component, because I think it's really easy to get into planning mode Mm -hmm. and to have that divine feminine flow, like built into your day. I think it helps process what you're learning in that experience, that, that time away, so to speak. Mm -hmm. What advice would you give to someone who like wants to create their own toolkit because like you said it's different for everyone so like how could you figure out what should be in yours yeah oh I love this yeah this is something that I um I do in my 12-week program this is like what the entire first module is all about because I think Mm -hmm. it's so so important it's sort of the mind piece you know knowing that Mm -hmm. you can be able to regulate given whatever situation so my highest recommendation is to figure out what's important to you your values Really figuring out, um, I, you know, there's, as we know from To Be Magnetic, there's like this idea of an authentic code. I like to take it a little bit deeper than that and have it be sort of like almost more joy-based. So Mm. I try to come up with an idea of what really brings a person joy. And then we work together to figure out those intrinsic values, those, those words that really just like kind of identify who you are to somebody else even. Like they Mm -hmm. really just embody yourself, your essence. And then from there, you're able to really figure out um, sort of those things that give you a a boost, an elevated boost, and those things that ground you. And I think Mm -hmm. when you have that 
contrast, now you're able to like recognize when you're feeling one or the other and counterbalance. I think that's so key. So an example would be um, if you're feeling really, really heady, like in your ego and you're just sort of getting like in an obsessive loop, do some breath of fire. Like it'll help you ground back Mm. down and like really release that frenetic energy. So this idea of, of um, opposites being the medicine, I think is like the perfect way to construct a little toolkit for yourself. Mm -hmm. Wait, so for anyone who might not know, can you just explain what breath of fire is? Oh yeah, sure. I always, I always like when you, when you stop me to explain things (laughs) that I just take, take advantage of. Um, yeah. So with breath of fire, it's a Kundalini yoga exercise where Usually you want to you want to kind of move around, shake up the root chakra as much as possible to get that energy swirling. That's sort of the the root chakra is where all of our potential kind of lies and then moves mm. up the chakras. So the idea of breath of fire to give an overall context is to move that energy up and kind of rebalance the chakras so that mm-hmm. it can kind of shoot back out the crown. Um so to explain it through audio, <laughs> you would be sitting after you shake up for like a minute, shaking up that root chakra in whatever way you possibly can, cat, cow, whatever. And then your arms go up at about a four, 60 degree angle with your thumbs up. And then like you, a V. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then you breathe um, purely through the nose. So you're breathing into in and out of the gut, like sucking in, pushing out. So... It's definitely something that I recommend like learning properly because Mm -hmm. you really are playing with your energy and that's something Mm. profound and not to be played with. Mm -hmm. But it is so, so, so helpful for people that are more frenetic and anxious like myself. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah, I should probably add that to my toolkit. Yeah, it's so good. It's so grounding for me. Mm -hmm. I love that. So what else has been coming up for you? Oh man. So like in, I feel like every aspect of my life is sort of an unknown right now. And Ithaca sort of prompted that as I spoke about a little. And I also had this love dynamic pop up, which was interesting. This musician in Ithaca that I met and, Mm -hmm. um, just like so exactly opposite of every single guy that I have ever talked to. Like I, he's, he's a hippie. Like Mm -hmm. I'm, like mm. straight up. And it the, the the weird thing about it, but not weird to you because you totally know this, um, is that it, this situation has nothing to do with him at all. Mm-hmm. He, it, he reflected back to me a piece of myself that I have rejected and hidden away for I don't even know how long. Mm-hmm. So it was wild meeting him and having somebody reflect back to me that, you know, he's not like living this like lavish life that I've always thought a man would provide for me. He's not um, focused on day-to-day things like the rest of the world is. He's focused on like his art, his craft, Mm. living life, taking care of his land that he has. Like it's such a different but more truthful, authentic vibe than I have ever felt from another guy And yeah, it really was this moment where my conception of who I am burst wide open in the same way that I was like suddenly unsure of where I wanted to live. I was like, what is happening here? Mm -hmm. Um, But as, as it happens when there's a love dynamic in my, in my, uh, my view, 
I go straight into anxious avoidant attachment. And mm-hmm. so I was like, you know, if, if he was caring, I was freaking out. Like, this is weirding me out. When if, you know, I was like, there's no way he cares about me. Probably everyone likes this guy, you know, like mm-hmm. just talking myself into whatever vibe was going to make me feel most secure mm-hmm. instead of just being honest with myself mm-hmm. and saying how I feel. So this is going to shock the shit out of you. I haven't told you any of this, which Mm-mm. is so wild. Um, for those listening, like I tell Hewa all my little exploits, like all my little dating stories, and they, they've never been positive. <laughs> so this is, this is the first one. Um, so yeah, we, we hung out probably like six times in the two weeks I was there. And I smoked so much weed, like in a very intentional manner because the place just like was so grounding, felt so good, very creative. And one night I was laying in a park under the stars with the dog I was watching and I had like a love letter just like erupt through me. Mm-hmm. This is wild information that those don't know me. <laughs> like I don't do this kind of shit. Mm-hmm. So I write out this letter like it, it was one of those moments where it flowed through me like I didn't have to stop one time mm-hmm. to think about it. And in the letter I just was saying kind of how I opened like you've just like fucking turn my world upside down. I didn't even know who I was until this particular moment. This is crazy. And he, I gave him the note. Like I wasn't sure if I was going to. And I knew I had this intense anxiety with the anxious piece of the anxious Mm -hmm. avoidancy. And I had to really be so honest with myself. I was laying in bed the night after I wrote it. And I was like, okay, anxiety, like, what is this about? Like, what are you trying to tell me here? And I had this moment where I realized that the anxiousness was me trying to keep in how I felt. Like, mm-hmm. I just wanted my my body and my soul just wanted to express my excitement and my gratitude. Like, if I had one word for my experience with this guy and with Ithaca, it would be fucking, like, intense gratitude. It mm-hmm. just felt like God like threw these enormous gifts in my lap. Mm-hmm. And so that night I was feeling all these things and I was keeping them trapped inside with that avoidancy. And I can't tell him how I feel because then if he doesn't feel the same, I'm rejected. I can't tell him how I feel because that'll push him away. And when I gave him the note, I was like, I'm going to fucking pattern interrupt this shit. Westworld style like mm-hmm. let's let's be an outlier tonight mm-hmm. and I gave him the letter and he had such gratitude back and he, he was just like the first person I ever felt safe enough to express myself creatively to which is mm-hmm. wild so all that to say that I have discovered this piece of myself that I hid away in my shadow mm-hmm. for a really really long time so well that I didn't even know it existed. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm sure you talk about shadow on this show. Yeah. Yes. I'm trying to remember the episode number. Um, uh, like one of the last ones of 2021. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I knew you did. I knew you yeah. did something on it. What was the context of that conversation? Um, it was a solo episode. It really was oh, just okay. a very like a Wikipedia entry on like what shadow yeah. is, what it means, what shadow work is, cool. why it matters. Yeah. Okay, cool. So yeah, we, so then we can just launch into it. I have yeah. no explanation. <laughs> um, yeah, I had a lot of 
a lot of these moments, I think shadow, we think of it being so scary to be revealed. And Mm -hmm. I think the really beautiful thing about this was my shadow was so beautiful. Mm -hmm. And like, it's just insane to me that I even hid away this really, if I had to describe it, I would kind of place it into this one little like capsule memory that I have whenever I do, you know, any sort of like little meditation or DI work or anything, it's always me in this meadow at the end of my street, picking flowers with my dad and like just being so involved in this experience of like looking and smelling and like touching these flowers. And it felt like this beautiful, like artistic pursuit as a kid. Mm -hmm. And even though like, I'm not super close with my dad anymore, I, I feel like all of these things in my life shifted, particularly my relationship with my dad. And I rejected anything that had to do with any of those happy memories. Mm -hmm. So, you know, my life just kind of uprooted for me at like seven, eight and anything previous to that, I was like, I'm going to just, that, that can't be me Mm -hmm. because this thing happened to me, which must mean that that was wrong. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and so a lot of what I lost was the piece of me that is like extremely emotional and flowy and very much in my divine feminine, um, really artistic and creative and just didn't give a fuck. Like I know kids don't, but I feel like even more so for me, I just like have these like really beautiful memories of running around town, like, you know, going to tops down. It was called something different going to tops and, getting all these little baking mixes that I could go home and make these like gorgeous desserts and mm-hmm. um, going to the garage sales. And like, I, I came home with like a fur coat at like seven. <laughs> it was like, mom, look what I got. She's like, how the fuck did you even buy this? I was like, I don't know. I just like went to the place, <laughs> you know? So I, I just missed, I put all those pieces of myself away because it felt like they were too vulnerable for mm-hmm. a world in which I was shattered mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah and then I had to like ex- excavate them but I think the cool thing that this taught me was that sometimes you don't have to like go digging I think so often in the wellness niche we're told that we like need to find all our shadow and we need to like bring it into the light so to speak mm-hmm. and the beautiful thing is life has a way of presenting you with everything that you need you just have to pay attention Mm-hmm. You know, like I didn't, I didn't really choose to go to Ithaca. It kind of chose me mm-hmm. and I didn't really like, I didn't know who I was going to meet there. You know, like this, this situation unearthed shadow for me. I didn't have mm-hmm. to do anything. Mm-hmm. Just mm-hmm. look at it. Mm-hmm. I love that. Yeah. And it's also important. I remember in that episode, I mentioned this, but I didn't get too into it. We tend to think of shadow as negative traits that we put in our shadow, mm-hmm. But it's often positive things, Mm -hmm. too, that we're just denying in ourselves or just I guess things are often just neutral. Like one thing I really relate to is putting a lot of like femininity into my shadow and just taking on a more masculine persona. And I mean, some of it I think is authentic, but some of it really you know, I also am a girl's girl, you know, and I really like had a lot of those traits in my shadow. So I know I've always related to you on that. Yeah. Yeah. We have talked a lot about that. I forgot about uh, the the aspect of us both where we just wanted to like cool girl it. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's just, I guess what the wildest uh, revelation I've, I've had recently is that 
I don't have to like try to be so stoic and mm-hmm. uh, like in my mind, cool girl meant not giving a fuck. Yep, same. And it meant um, being unemotional mm-hmm. and having a guy fall for me and not falling for the guy yep. and yep. just like really finding any way to have control. Yep. It really came down to control. Yeah. Um, well, I, I like cannot relate or agree more. I know. And it's funny because I give so many fucks. You know what I yes. mean? Like I <laughs> there's probably very few people that give more fucks. Than yeah, I. yeah. But exactly. I think that's kind of the thing that is so weird about the way that not we, but like we as a collective look, each of us individually, is that obviously there is such a thing as judging someone on their looks, but I think one of the things that has been so weird for me recently, we talked about this on Instagram a tiny bit, is that everyone that has no context for me, like in my school years, like I would say probably seven to 14, um, don't really know who I am because they see someone who, I mean, I have eyes, like I can see how I look. Mm -hmm. I get that. I haven't done anything to like look this way except my health routine. Um, like I haven't altered my appearance, so to speak. So like, this is my God given form, Mm -hmm. you know, and it's just interesting to me that it groups me in with a particular, you know, group of people as we all encounter stereotypes. Mm -hmm. But I just so don't relate to that version of myself at all to the point where I still feel like that ugly little girl, that awkward little girl, seven Mm -hmm. through 14. And so if people don't have that context of me, they think that I was just like born looking like I look and Mm -hmm. it, it kind, I don't know how to feel about that. Like I, I understand there's a level of privilege to that for sure. Mm -hmm. But I also, it's kind of like, you know, you hear this all the time with there's particular people that are very open about the fact that they used to be like way bigger in their Mm -hmm. childhood I don't think you ever like lose that feeling of being an outlier and being a reject and not, not feeling lovable. Like the, the biggest thing that comes up in love dynamics with that anxiousness is I can't possibly be lovable. Look Mm -hmm. at all of the instances seven through 14 in which people didn't want me. Mm -hmm. So it's been coming up so massively recently and, you know, both in the, personality aspects that I brought up but also in my looks I'm like this is weird I don't I don't feel like I am who I look like mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. bizarre yeah uh, yeah I mean I I relate to that too I don't know I like I remember when I first started to feel pretty it felt like it was a mask Mm-hmm. where I was like, oh, but this isn't who I actually am. Oh, and like yes. people can't know yes. who I actually oh, am. You my know? gosh, I forgot about that element of it. I'm so glad you said that. Yeah, that feeling of like, they. I hope they don't ever find out that I, I'm not actually pretty. Yeah, exactly. I constantly feel that. It's so wild too because, you know, you would think that that comes up in your day-to-day life, but I really don't, I don't know about you, but I don't find that that wound comes up unless I'm with a guy. It's it's always coming up for me in the love dynamic. Like very rarely does it come up in like a platonic sense. It's always like I, I can't have this man that I'm interested in realize that I'm not actually beautiful because mm-hmm. then why would he want me? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's come up with me in some female friendships, not mm-hmm. all. Yeah, 
but yeah, no, for sure in love. And I mean, it's, it's different now because I've been dating Aussie for so long, mm-hmm. um, where I just like at this point he knows everything. Like, he, yeah. you know, he's seen like truly totally. like the ugliest, both physically and personality of me <laughs> <laughs> behavior. Like he's really seen it all. So it's a little different now, yeah. but yeah, no, for sure. Wait, so what happened with the guy? We're just still chit chatting. I, you know, I think I normally put a lot of pressure on having some sort of closure with situations. And I think the beautiful thing about me writing that note and saying how I felt is it felt very much like I don't, there's nothing left unsaid. Like mm-hmm. I've said what I need to say. And this, this feeling of surrender can just wash over now. Like mm-hmm. whatever's meant for you will be yours. Like mm-hmm. I can't, I'm not going to chase after something in the pursuit of, of trying yeah. to like finagle my, my fate, you know? Yeah. So I just, I feel like, you know, I'll check in with him if I feel the vibe and hopefully it's, it stays to be a thing, but you know, I don't want to cling to it. Mm-hmm. One thing that's just reminded me of, I also used to like never text a guy. Like I always yeah. wanted him to be the one to text me and yeah. things like that. Like, do you ever just start conversation with him? Oh man. Yeah. This is so hard for me. I actually like needed like a team of supporters in order <laughs> to deal with this situation. I specifically, my mom actually met him, which is a weird little twist. She mm. came to Ithaca and he invited us over. So she ended up meeting him, which I don't, I haven't introduced my mom to anyone in probably, okay, let's see. I was like just 10 years, mm-hmm. <laughs> my first boyfriend ever. Yeah. Um. So it was a big deal in a weird way. And I was trying to figure out, you know, I want to give him his space. He most, he more recently got out of a relationship. I've mm-hmm. been single for fucking years and years at this mm-hmm. point. <laughs> so I was like, I just want to give him his space. I don't want to scare him if he's feeling like, you know, he needs a little bit of space and whatnot. And in doing so, I, you know, I started to talk it out with my mom specifically because she had met him and she's like, this isn't like one of the douchebags you've dated. Okay. This is like a normal human being who actually has a spiritual side to him. Like just say how you feel and Mm -hmm. like, let it be felt. It's fine. So I did. I actually did text him the other day. I was just thinking about him and I checked in on something that he, an event he had had and we set up a call for this upcoming week. But even that was like excruciating for me. Mm -hmm. I just don't want to be in a position where I'm like, love me, love me, love me. And the person doesn't love me. Yeah. It's terrifying. Yeah. I've just been there so many times. Yeah. Yeah. No, I... I'm with you. Yeah. It's so hard. Yeah. But then also I feel like we're given situations that force us to do things that we don't want to do. 100%. Like I noticed this a while ago with Ozzy. If I ask for what I need, he'll provide it. No problem. Yeah. But I have to voice it and I fucking hate voicing my needs. Oh, 100%. And so I'm like, of course I end up with someone where I have to voice. Like he's not like, I mean, of course he's not a mind reader, but he also, he really will do it if he just knows. But like often I just have to be like, hey, I need you to do this. Or like, hey, I like, I I remember at some point when we were dating, I was like, I just, I need you to like text me every day. Like I just, I need you to text me every day. Like otherwise I will lose my mind. Oh wow. Yeah. That's such a thing. I never, it's so wild to think like all you have to do is just ask for what you want. Yeah. It, it's so complicated in my brain at least. I'll just say myself 
it's so complicated in my brain when I think through these situations. I'm like, if I do this, he's going to do that. Da, 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 da. Mm-hmm. And it's, I, this was the very first time in writing this note where I was like, I don't really give a fuck. Like, mm-hmm. it doesn't actually even matter how he's going to react. It right. doesn't even really matter how he feels. Like, mm-hmm. it doesn't even matter if it's reciprocated because mm-hmm. I, I'm feeling some kind of way and why would I keep it inside? Yeah. Then I really don't get to find out what happens. Yeah. I think that should be the goal of all action is to do it regardless of the outcome. Oh, yeah. hundred percent. And I, I just don't think that you, in day-to-day life, I just don't think there's a ton of situations that come up to like really teach you that. Mm-hmm. I think love is such a beautiful uh, motivator to do just that, like mm-hmm. this communication piece. You know, I say it to people all the time and more so like, you know, like a friend or a parent conflict context. It's like, you, there's a loving way to say anything you need to say, but you still need to say it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's of your highest, it's of your highest potential and the other person's yeah. to say how you feel. It's going to be a learning curve for both people. But I think in a love dynamic, there's just so much more on the line. It just feels like mm-hmm. there's so much rejection that could happen. And mm-hmm. it, you, there's this feeling of like, you'll never find love again, or you'll be broken beyond repair. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, The only distinction with this particular situation for me is that it was the first time where a a risk like that felt like freedom. Mm. And it felt like a moment where I could real, like an adrenaline rush. Like I could Mm. totally just kind of badass. Mm -hmm. Like it's a kind of back what we were saying with the cool girl. It's like I found out how to actually be cool instead of pretending to be cool. Like how fucking cool is it to just be like, hey, I like you and like not even give a shit what the response is. Like that's the ultimate cool girl. Like pretending you don't give a shit is so not cool. Exactly. It's it's a little bit embarrassing. If I really think about it, it's so steeped in insecurity. And if I look back at relationships that I was the more avoidant one rather than the anxious one Mm -hmm. and they were playing out the anxious role – I'm like, what the fuck is happening over there? Like, what are you actually doing? Like, just say how you feel. Why are we like, what is this kindergarten? Like, we're just going back and forth, like seeing who cares more. Like, what the, what the fuck is this? Yeah. So having that context this time around, like seeing somebody who's genuinely secure, I was like, what am I even doing? This is embarrassing. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm not fucking cool. Yeah. This is embarrassing. So really having that switch where I was like, what could be cooler than being like, hey, you know, uh, I actually can't see you tonight, which I did this at one point. I was like, I actually can't see you tonight because I want to meditate and I want to do this for myself and I'm feeling a little weird and I want to journal tonight. Like Mm -hmm. just saying that rather than being like, you know, oh, I don't know. Like maybe I should go see him. I don't know. I don't know what to do. Like you Mm -hmm. know what to do. Yeah. It feels so liberating. Mm -hmm. So much nicer. Oh, that's so beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. But lots of shadow been coming up. Lots. Yeah. Like what else? I just think that I've really been having to face that rejection piece of myself. Um, You know, so I kind of mentioned around like seven, eight, my life kind of shifted. And Mm -hmm. I kind of went from this, you could probably put this together from the few little memory snippets I gave. It felt like a very like idyllic life, you know, like living in a small little suburb in upstate New York, like riding my bike around to these different little stores and just adventuring with myself it was short-lived you know Mm -hmm. till seven some people have that for their lives you know so it was cut short in so many ways all at once that I 
shut down in the biggest type of trauma response and just nobody noticed. So to give like, it's going to seem a little like cold to just like name them off, but just, just so people have context and if we go deeper in. Um, so around seven, eight, my dad lost his job and he was the breadwinner for the family. Like mm-hmm. not, not a, he was a shoe, shoe store manager, like nothing crazy, but he was the breadwinner for the family, lost his job and kind of just went into a depression that he never really came out of. Mm-hmm. Um, so all in one kind of f- swift motion, my now we don't have money and we're getting church handouts. My mom had to go get a job and just like this weird feeling of neglect kind of came in. Mm-hmm. My dad was now just in his room and basically was gone. And my brothers were older than me by about seven to 10 years. So I was just alone, like mm-hmm. fully alone and very consciously aware of the fact that like we had money and we don't have money anymore mm-hmm. and everybody else has money and we do not. Mm-hmm. So this feeling of like, sure, lack, but really more so it was this feeling of like, I, like my life is like not good. Like I just have a shitty life just mm-hmm. came over me. Like bad things happened to me. And then of course, like more waves come. So now I'm alone constantly because not, not against anyone. Right. You know, like my dad and my mom had these very complex issues at play. I'm alone all the time. And my brother, when he was home, would usually have friends over. And of course, there's this big age gap. So around like eight, his 14-year-old friend started, who was a very close family friend, started sexually abusing me. And mm. I, it was, it was so you know, sexual abuse is like an animal of its own, you know, one that I obviously know very well. But I think there's so many other factors that people don't look at, like the trust piece. Usually when you're sexually abused, there's you're trusting that person as a child. And that trust piece is like way more devastating than anything else. Mm-hmm. This was a family friend that like, I like loved him like a brother. Mm-hmm. And he would trick me into these situations, like full out lie to me. So over the course of, you know, probably a summer of sexual abuse, I finally mustered up the courage to tell my mom. And, you know, we have different versions of this story, but I remember very clearly telling her and her just getting really mad at me and Mm -hmm. making me feel like I lied. Um, And even in that moment, of confusion, I still was so acutely aware of the fact that my mom was having a response about herself. Like even in that Mm -hmm. moment, I knew Mm -hmm. I was like, Mm -hmm. she, she's upset because she feels like a bad mom. Yeah. Because in a way she feels responsible. Exactly. And I just felt her guilt like in my bones. And I, in that moment, I shut it all down. I was like, that needs to be something that I put in a deep, dark crevice of my mind because my mom's going to like lose her shit. Mm -hmm. She's trying to fucking make money for the family, deal with a depressed husband that she doesn't really like and trying to like provide for her family Mm -hmm. in all ways. I just, thought it was like the most loving thing I could do would be just to pretend that it never happened. Mm -hmm. But the result of that was that my body started to literally shut down on me. Mm -hmm. I mean, I went from, if you look at pictures of me, I went from like the so vibrant and so open and loving to just 
truly like shut in on myself. Like I had the Mm -hmm. slouch. I looked entirely different. Like at some point I'm going to get the strength to post on Instagram, like pictures of old me. And people are like, I'm terrified because people are going to be like, who the fuck is that? Mm -hmm. I look like an entirely different person. It's crazy. So over the course of like seven years, I just went more and more and more inside myself and Mm -hmm. less and less trusting of people. It was just like childhood rejection after childhood rejection of trying to, trying to relate to my peers that I could absolutely not fucking relate to. Mm -hmm. They're trying to talk about like Tinkerbell and Barbies. And I'm like, yo, so my mom has breast cancer. Like, What's mm-hmm. that? A, like, how do you guys feel about that one? <laughs> you know? Right. Yeah. Or like, hey, my parents are getting separated, but like they were never really in love. So like, it's kind of weird, right? <laughs> They're just like <laughs> looking at me, you know? Mm-hmm. So I was always very um, adult in my thinking and very curious. And I just had zero, zero ability to relate to my peers. And because of the way that that sort of developed in my body, like truly becoming frail and just like, you know, when you think of someone who's traumatized, like there's a certain look to that. There mm-hmm. really is. Mm-hmm. Um, and just nobody noticed, like nobody cared. Like no one was involved with me enough to ever once ask me if I was okay. Like mm-hmm. for seven years, no one ever asked me if I was okay. Mm-hmm. So I would have these you know, this is definitely like where the anxious avoidance piece comes in. I was so codependent with my mom, as you can probably see, you know, I was like, I need to protect my mom. Mm -hmm. I was the one that was sexually abused and I felt like I needed to protect my mom. Mm -hmm. So there was the breast cancer component and her divorcing and all these things. And I basically became the parent and I took care of her through all these situations and just sort of let myself be her little doll that she could bring around and like make her feel happy But in doing so, it meant that I was constantly disappointed. I was trying to be her everything, but Mm -hmm. she was never really trying to be my everything. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, she was trying to be a good mom for sure. But what she was really interested in in those moments that I needed her was finding love again. So she was just kind of out dating for a while there, like leaving me alone for whole weekends, which – it really fucks a kid up. I was mm-hmm. just like by myself in this big, scary house for whole weekends. Um, and, you know, we've talked about it since. So I, I feel valid in saying that that was like for sure neglect, like right. pure abandonment. Yeah. And the most that I was able to do to express myself was throw myself to the ground crying and like screaming and being like, please don't leave me again. And Mm -hmm. every single time it was like she would literally step over me to leave, (laughs) like making me telling me that I was being overdramatic, telling me that I was being, you know, everything but the word crazy, basically. Mm -hmm. And in those moments, like I still remember after trying to convince her that she was hurting me, like trying, like actively trying to show her how badly she was hurting me, um, I just remember shutting it all down one day and being like, whatever, She can just do whatever she wants to do and I'll just exist. Mm -hmm. And I just little by little just shut down every single bit of caring. Mm -hmm. And the only moment that it changed was around um, 
around 14, similar to you, I woke up one day and I was just fucking pretty. I don't really know what happened. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Puberty, I guess. Not sure. It was sure. later for me, for the record. I was not <laughs> cute at 14. But it was weird. Yeah. It was, But it was this moment where I, no one in my school thought that. Obviously, they've grown up with me like you know, calling me anorexic, telling me that I was like hideous, making fun of everything that they could possibly make fun of me for. No one wanted to talk to me. Um, And then to have this moment where like somebody outside of school was telling me that I was beautiful, like random people were telling me I was beautiful. I was like, am I beautiful? Like my family's never said that to me. Nobody in my life has ever fucking said that to me. Mm -hmm. And it became this word that just like really didn't feel right. Mm-hmm. And even to this day, a guy tells me I'm beautiful and I'm like, I, yeah, because I have this, like you said, I have this mask on. Yeah, of course mm-hmm. you think I'm beautiful. I'm wearing mm-hmm. my mask. Wait till you see me later. <laughs> right. But it's, it's, it's all so obvious looking back. All of these moments where I shut my emotions down, like, of course, when a love dynamic comes around, I'm like, are you going to leave? Mm-hmm. Uh, if I tell you how I feel, are you going to just walk over me? Like, mm-hmm. I can't mm-hmm. express myself. You're going to reject me again. It really, it's so complex, but it feels like kind of how I started the conversation. Like, it just feels like I've left out this entire chunk of my life. Mm-hmm. People know me on such a contemporary level. They don't know that version of me. And it, it is me like that. Right. That is defining like to think that I could just live like 14 through 30 and just forget about seven through 14. Like that's that was me. Mm-hmm. The, like the piece of me that wanted to express and constantly felt stifled and unsafe to do so. Mm-hmm. And just to have that piece of me return in the tiniest little bit recently was like wow, I fucking missed her. Like I missed this piece of myself so much. Mm -hmm. You can't really have what you want if you're hiding away that, all of that life. Like that's all so deeply part of you. Mm -hmm. I missed it in a weird way. Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing this. It's like obviously really fucking hard to talk about. Yeah. And you've done it so beautifully. Obviously, I'm so sorry for everything you went through. I mean, I have abandonment issues and my parents were quite literally always around. Like they wouldn't even leave for like an hour. I was never home alone. (laughs) Like they were always fucking there and I still have abandonment issues so I can't even imagine like I can't fathom and my parents don't get me wrong did a lot wrong like a lot wrong but like I just can't even fathom like just leaving yeah I know it still blows my mind to really think about it like how you do that to a child you know that's been a point of contention with my mom and I I think Mm -hmm. she she's finally able to like look at it with more honesty but Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's a lot. I think, I think you know, in this aspect of how your shadow really holds so many like really key components to who you actually are and, and a lot of your beauty, like your most beautiful traits, I think one of the things that I, you know, I share in common with a lot of people that I talk to that have some sort of shared trauma to me is that it really creates 
so much power in the end you know is it Mm -hmm. is do I wish that these things didn't happen to me like yeah it would be nice to know what that life would be yeah but at the same time I just feel like at the end of the day there's no way that I could ever face a darker period of my life and if Mm -hmm. I have been able to do if, if I was able to face everything that happened to me in my childhood and adolescence being powerless and having zero way to escape my life I'm an adult now. So if I if I couldn't if I got through it then, like I can fucking definitely get through something like that now. And that brings a lot of solace and hope to me in times where I am feeling that shadow of being weak and fragile. I'm really able to just tell myself like, look, you've been through way more than most people have mm-hmm. and you've come out on top in a lot of ways. Like you might not have it fully figured out, but the fact that you're not stuck in a depression like Mm -hmm. my dad you know Mm -hmm. the fact that I was able to pull myself out of a life that could have gone very very differently yeah I'm like really proud of that Mm -hmm. so to keep that piece of my life hidden feels like it's I don't know it just feels like um I don't know it it feels like I deserve more than that it feels like I deserve to have all of me be seen not just the the pretty stuff yeah yeah I love what you said. Like for anyone listening, I mean, you might not be able to relate to the specifics of Mary's story, but we all have our shit Mm -hmm. that we went through, right? Like mine was very different. A lot of mine was around being foreign and like always being different and not being able to relate to people. And then like at my home life, I mean, like I said, my parents were always fucking around, but they were also always fighting like very intensely at times Mm. and like maybe at some point I'll share you know my shit but like we all have our shit but at the end of the day like if you're listening to this podcast you're someone who probably has done a good amount of work on themselves who's interested in doing work on themselves who's like interested in self-improvement so you made it through all of that shit when you were a kid and had literally zero tools and now you're an adult hopefully if not like probably don't listen to this um, <laughs> probably need to get you off oh, yeah it's just wildly inappropriate um, <laughs> but, um, but now you're an adult and you have control and like you can re- react to things differently and it really is Yeah, I I like that reframe of it actually being this kind of superpower rather than like, why did this happen to me? Yeah, Because I've kind of been stuck in that loop. Like when I was in Australia, being around Ozzy's nieces brought up so much inner child shit for me because I was like, here are these like cute, blonde, skinny, white girls who like have parents who are attentive to their needs and they laugh in this household and I haven't heard anyone curse at anyone yet (laughs) and like no one's throwing things and like everything's calm and they're just like perfect and pretty and fun and athletic and like none of the things, all the things that I wanted and didn't have as a kid and like there were times where I was like, fuck this, like well like what did I do wrong to like Mm not have gotten this like calm and fun and loving childhood that these kids are getting and I'm not and I mean there was a moment I think it was my last night where I like I like reverted into like being a six-year-old kid like the six-year-old was whispering something about me and I was like can you please stop whispering (gasps) 
like literally like I'm not proud of it but it was like that's it was hilarious. like a I love it. girl in school talking about me that's what I felt like I was like fuck this little blonde pretty perfect girl <laughs> who is like probably like whispering about how weird or different I am and like she gets this perfect upbringing and I have to go home to like World War Three every day yeah. like you know how fucking healing though yeah to face that yeah well, how did you work through it oh I was like devastated yeah. that night and like it was really hard for me to explain to Ozzy also like why these things are so hard for me because like mm. I think if you have grown up like with relatively like you know normal parents a relatively calm household it's really hard to understand what like severe childhood trauma is and yeah. like how it affects someone so I do think like and especially like for me a lot of it is like this component of like constantly feeling different which like I don't think like if you haven't you're just not going to be able to relate to it I 1000% understand what you're saying yeah. yeah so I mean I just did a lot of like meditation a lot of like the TBM DREs yeah. like I, I do this isn't recommended but I do like self EMDR mm. where I'll like pull up like traumatic memories and just do rapid eye movement and I find that it helps me process them whatever's clever yeah, I mean, you know, it's not recommended to do it on your own, but... Toolkit. <laughs> yeah. What we're it's like definitely the theme, toolkit. Yeah. Gotta have the toolkit because when you're an adult, like, you're you're the one that fixes the shit. You have the capacity to fix the shit. Yeah. And you were able to work through it in a way that felt nice? I mean, I feel like I'm still working through it. Layers. Like, I feel like Australia brought so much to the surface that a lot of it that I like thought I'd worked through. Mm. And I mean, I, you know, it's layers, right? Like you work through some layers and then like the deeper layers yep. come out. So yeah, I feel like I'm still in it. I'm still working through it. Like I still, it's all connected. Like I also see the things that I want in my life that I don't have yet. And I see how it all goes back to like that little child version of me being like, you're not worthy of any of this mm. shit. Yeah. The feeling like you just don't fully belong in any one space. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oof. It's so tricky. And you're right. It is, it is totally layers. And I feel like that's the cool thing about triggers, which I know you've talked about before. Like you get triggered and it's this beautiful opportunity, kind of how we said in the love dynamic that I'm in. It's this beautiful opportunity to do something different. Like just fucking get wild with it. It reminds me of the movie Everything Everywhere. Is that the name of it? The I new movie? I don't, I don't know movies. It's, it, um, you'll you'll know what I'm talking about. If, okay. you know, if you know, you know. And in the movie, it's kind of like this concept of everything is sort of like serendipitously happening. Like you'll be presented with the mm. things that you need to be presented with. Mm -hmm. And it really is so true. It's every single little moment is an opportunity to like dig deeper. And it does always relate back to childhood is the fucking annoying thing. Yeah. It's really annoying, but it's, it's also like, don't resist it. Mm -hmm. Just let it come up. Like, I love that you got six year old crazy. Like I fucking love that. Mm -hmm. Love that for you. Cause I feel mm -hmm. like that, that like allows you to kind of be playful with it. Yeah. Like you can laugh at yourself a little. Yeah. Yeah. It's not so serious. Yeah. You're like, bitch, I'm taking you down. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
I love it. Yeah, you're two feet tall. <laughs> Sit down. <laughs> I got you on this one. Do you, do you own an apartment in Tribeca? Didn't think so. <laughs> you can't even make yourself dinner. <laughs> did your mom brush your hair? <laughs> it is hard. Oh, you know what's so funny? My um, my niece, she's about four, and I, I had the same thing happen. I saw my mom. This is weird. I saw my mom in relation to my niece when she was a baby. Like there was this one night. God, I hope she doesn't listen to this. There was this one night where my brother was like, mom, you want to tuck Lillian in or read to her? And my mom was like, no, I'm good. And I was like, I was like, wow, this is how I was raised. Like no fucking wonder. My mom was like, yeah, I'm tired. I'm okay. You guys can take care of it. I'm all right. Bath time. Don't have time. Sorry. You know, it was so weird. And I did have this jealousy. Because my brother and and his wife are so hands-on with her. She Mm -hmm. does everything. She's like spoiled rotten. And I'm like, how do I get that for myself? Mm -hmm. (laughs) But do you feel like, like one thing that brings me a lot of healing is having adult me nurture a child me. Like that's like, it used to be other people, but now nothing gives me support like that does. 100%. I liked, I, I love that. The hair, the caretaking piece. Yeah. So big. Like I'll close my eyes and sometimes just like hug her and be like, whatever. Like you, like fuck everyone else. You have me. Yeah. Well, you know, what's so funny is I, I feel like that is definitely like a recommended approach, you know, especially mm-hmm. through TBM. And I've, I've tried that version of reparenting more of on like a cognitive level. I really like, I like to think of myself because I'm bougie. Like I like to think of myself as my whole staff. So I'm like, okay, like stylist, housekeeper, chef, Mm. masseuse, healer, like let's do it all. And I fucking think of myself in that way. Like every night before bed, I set my shit up so that I wake up in the morning. I'm like, oh my God, my housekeeper is the best, you know? (laughs) Or like when I do my little beauty regimen, I'm like, oh, that facial, like that was so good, you know? I just like to think of myself as like truly my... And caretaker doesn't really do it justice. Like, I'm my fucking own team. Yeah. I do it all. Yeah. It feels so good. Yeah. Like, you have a full team taking care of you. Yeah. That makes sense because you had, like, literally no one taking care of yeah, you. Yeah, exactly. And it's it's kind of like a, I don't know, it really is, like, a very nice feeling to know that I've finally, you know, I wouldn't be able to teach this otherwise, but I finally arrived at those things that make me feel so me and so safe it's very, it's, it's such a good feeling to have that because then you know that any little rock in the boat isn't going to take you down. Mm -hmm. You know, I, for so long lived my life, rock bottom rut. Okay. For five seconds, rock bottom rut. Okay. For five seconds, Mm -hmm. repeat. And to know that I don't, I don't have to like freak the fuck out when something goes wrong now, because Mm -hmm. I can just come right back, realign and take that as just another opportunity to have to come into a deeper truth. It's really refreshing actually then when you get pulled out of something. It's like mm-hmm. another opportunity to to take it with a level of maturity that you might not have been able to take it with before. Yeah. Yeah, that is true. Mm-hmm. I will say after like the last like week that I was in Australia, I was just so triggered and then the day I was leaving, I got to the airport and they were like, we can't let you check in. And I was like, why? <laughs> and they're like, uh, we can't say 
And then someone's like, they've canceled our flight. Like oh. another passenger <laughs> like in the corner, he's like, they're not telling us yet, but they've canceled our flight. Oh, so, <laughs> so we were just like kind of in this limbo state for like hours. Oh, that's the worst. And then they're like, yeah, we canceled your flight. And then they had rebooked me for Tuesday. I was flying out on a Sunday. And like you had to get the COVID test the day before, like all these things. And I was the only person who was like really calm because I immediately was like, oh, look at how shittily you've been handling everything lately. Here's an opportunity to just be calm about this. Mm. And I was like really calm and really nice. And I was like, listen, like I totally understand. Like obviously it's not, it it obviously is also not their fault by the way. Like it, like, you know, if they can't staff a flight, they can't staff a flight. Like what are you going to do? And I was like, you know, I just, it does feel like maybe we could get me out of here sooner than Tuesday, but um, I don't know. But if not, it's fine. I just, Figured I'd ask. And I think because it was so nice, they rebooked me on a different airline and I flew out that night. I don't think it's because you were nice. I think it's because you were in trust. I really do. Yeah. But yeah, I really like the entire time I was like, you know what? It's it's just an opportunity to like handle things a little bit differently. Grace. Yeah. Grace piece. It's so funny. Like I was thinking about this recently, why the word grace like really is so helpful in situations like that, you know, to to embody grace in a trying time really does work. Mm -hmm. But I was thinking about the why and it's because grace is like really an embodiment of love, you know, and our our Mm -hmm. last podcast we did together, it really boiled down to this choice between love and fear, very A Course in Miracles. Mm -hmm. And I really do think that it's so funny when a little trigger pops up or a situation that you might not be able to take very gracefully in the past to really think like what would be the most loving way to move forward with this like of course the most loving thing you can do is to be the calm one to balance out the situation and be respectful and kind to the staff that have nothing to do with it and to just sink deeper into the even even to go you know, deeper than that to sink into the love that, you know, is guiding you Mm -hmm. to really like, that's where the trust piece comes in. It's like, this wouldn't, this isn't happening for absolutely no fucking reason. It's happening for some small reason. Mm -hmm. And I can trust that like that will be revealed. Mm -hmm. And when we lead our lives with that level of grace and trust, love, I feel like things just flow so much more easily. It's like, the difference between a good mushroom trip and a bad mushroom trip. Yeah. Like you either lean in or you pull out and create a whole crisis. Yep. You got to just lean in. Yep. And with love. Like it's always with love. Yeah. But it looks different all the time. Yeah. I think that's the perfect note to end on. Yeah, I agree. Let's maybe give like homework. Mm, I like that. Okay. Yeah. Um... So I would love if people did start to work on their toolkit. Maybe it's not building out a whole toolkit because I do think that's a whole process. But maybe think of like one state that feels disempowering that you find yourself in really often. Mm -hmm. You know, for me, that's definitely my like anxious, obsessive sort of state. It zaps me of my energy. So to each their own, whatever that is for you, think of one thing that is the exact foil to that. 
Like what's something that instead of depleting, you know, in this example, instead of something that's like depleting you and making you really heady and obsessive, what's something that like makes you feel like you can't even think of one thing because you're so in an experience Mm -hmm. or you're so grounded that like the idea of even like obsessing about something just seems obtuse. Mm -hmm. So, you know, for me, I love going to a botanical garden or Mm -hmm. something where I can just like play music and look at stuff. So you have no room for thinking shit through. And I find that that's a nice way to think of things. Find find a pervasive, lower vibe thing in your life and try to uh, find something high vibe that you can switch in for it in, mm-hmm. in summary. Just mm-hmm. one small thing that you know you can always have access to. Mm-hmm. I love that. How beautiful. Yeah. I'm glad that you asked that question. I think that's helpful. Yeah. Thank you so much for coming on, Mary. Thank you so much for sharing. I'm sure it's going to be so relatable to so many people. I hope so, yeah. that's That was my main thing when we talked is I was like, I really think that this needs to be revealed for me and for, mm-hmm. for other people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I'm excited to release it to the wild. Yeah. <laughs> if you enjoyed this episode, please share it with someone who you think would appreciate it. Share it in your Instagram stories. Tag at blushpod. Leave a review. I know I say it every week. I know it's really annoying, but if you do, it really, really helps me. So please do it. Love you guys. See you next week. Bye.